John chapter 8 says this, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It doesn't just say the truth will make you free. It says you shall know the truth and the truth that you know shall make you free. I'm starting a new series today called Breaking Curses and Releasing Blessings. And I'm going to take just a little time to lay a foundation this morning. And uh, it, because it's important that we understand how to grow in God. If we don't know how to grow in God, we only uh, we level off and God has more. And we know God has more, but we don't know how to reach it. We don't know how to get to it, but God has more for you. Tell your neighbor, God has more to pour. John eight thirty six says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You know, when we talk about breaking curses and releasing blessings, uh, you know, people don't believe that Christians can have curses. People don't believe that Christians can have curses. People don't believe that Christians uh, can uh, have a demon or that Christians can have problems. Christians can have anything they want to have. Amen? And see, Jesus died upon the cross to break these curses. He shed his blood to break curses off of our lives, to break generational curses, to break family curses, to break uh, curses of anger, uh, to break uh, divorce curses, to break poverty curses, to break addiction curses, uh, to break insecurity curses and inferiority and rejection curses. Uh, and listen, Christians can, it can learn to walk free of a curse or they can walk under a curse. Amen? I remember years ago when I was just a, a younger man in the 70s and I didn't know about healing. I didn't know that by Jesus' stripes I was healed. And so, I, I, you know, I, I never thought twice about taking cold medicine and, and being sick and taking time off. I thought that was just the way things went. Uh, but I begin to read in the Word of God that by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. I'm already healed. You were healed. And so I started to apply God's Word in my life, and I started to grow. And now we don't get sick. We just don't receive sickness. In fact, the Bible says no sickness or disease will come near your dwelling place. And so you don't have to be sick. Amen. Now you might fight symptoms every once in a while, but that's just, you got to take a stand and say, I don't receive that anymore. You know, if your body's breaking down, the Bible says about Abraham at a hundred years old, he considered not his body concerning the promises of God. He began to speak to his body, body, you're going to live strong. You're going to make it through. You're going to fulfill destiny. You're going to be what God created you to be and body. You're going to line up. And I believe God strengthened his body. Amen. How else does a man go up on a mountaintop against a 32-year-old son, tie him up, and, and go to offer him on an altar? He had to be strong just to climb the mountain. Hello. Let alone catch a 32-year-old, tie him up, and put him on an altar to offer him as a sacrifice. Come on. We've got we've to read the Bible real. Uh, and so uh, Jesus wants to break curses off of our lives. And Christians need to examine what the Bible says and begin to believe what God's word says. It says to rightly divide the word of truth. And as we do that, we learn to put on the mind of Christ. We learn to think like God thinks. In Isaiah chapter 55, 
Isaiah chapter 55, in verse 1, it says this. Ho! <laughs> I just, I love that because it wakes everybody up when you say that. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come ye to the waters, and he that has no money, come and buy and eat. Yes, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. In other words, God has blessing for you. God has blessing for you that you don't have to purchase. It's free. Freely you receive. Wherefore do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Why do you do that? And you labor for that which is not satisfying. Hearken diligent to me and eat that which is good and let your soul delight itself in blessing. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and a commander to the people. He's talking about Jesus. But thou shalt call a nation that you know not, and nations that knew thee shall run to you because of the, the Lord is your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified thee. In other words, God's going to start breaking, bless, breaking curses off of you and release blessings to you so much that even the nations will want to run to you and say, how do I walk the way that you walk? How do I live blessed like you? Now, some of you may say, how can something like that happen? I don't know. I've seen God do it, though. I've seen things happen where people come from all over and say, how do, you, how do you walk in that kind of blessing? How did you arrive at this place? Well, we just simply apply the word of God. Verse 6, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. There's that thoughts again. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. In other words, sometimes we're hardwired to think wrong. We've been raised in a way sometimes that we just think opposite of what God's word says. And God wants us to learn to think like he thinks. Put on the mind of Christ. If you'll exchange your thoughts for his thoughts. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and it doesn't return, but it waters the earth and it makes it bring forth and bud that it will give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth it shall not return to me void, but it'll accomplish the thing that I please and prosper the thing that I sent it. In other words, he's saying in this passage, if you'll begin to put God's thoughts into your mind and you'll think like God says to think. And the way I define this uh, and break it down a little simpler is like this. When our kids were growing up, if they went to the neighbor's house and the neighbor's kids talked a certain way and they came home and they said, ha ha ha, blankety blank which our kids never did, by the way. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, we'd say to them, we don't talk like that in our house. The, neighbor, the neighbors may talk like that in their house. How many of you are getting what I'm saying this morning? But, see, in our house, we talk like this. And God's saying, in my house, my family, we talk like this. We don't talk poor. 
We don't, we don't talk defeated. We don't talk with sickness in our life. We don't talk that we are under curses. We don't talk like that. We change our thinking and we change our words and we see different ways in our life. Things happen differently for us because we've learned to put his word in our mouth, his thoughts in our, in our mind, and, and live the way that he wants us to live. And it says this, if you'll do this, I'll prosper uh, as you begin to receive my word from heaven, as the word comes down like rain from heaven, it causes the things that God, the blessings that God's put within us, the seeds of destiny to come forth and prosper the people of God. Amen. So we replace our former thoughts with his greater thoughts and his belief system. We begin to produce something greater in life. It's like having weeds growing in your garden. How many of you have ever had weeds growing in your yard? No matter how hard you pull those darn things out, they continue to grow. No matter how much you try to get rid of those things, you've got to go way down to root level and dig those things out carefully all the way around, pull them all out, and pull all the roots out with them. And see, that once that's removed, then that weed can't grow any longer. It's the same thing with our lives. We have to remove what I call stinking thinking. If you don't remove stinking thinking, you're going to keep seeing weeds in your life. You've got to learn to think like God thinks. That's how you start breaking curses. You change what you believe to what God says you're supposed to believe. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, if you're taking notes, in the Amplified it says, Inasmuch as we refute arguments... And theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. We lead every thought and every purpose away captive to the obedience of Christ, the anointed one. In other words, we cast down thoughts. We, we arrest these bad thoughts. These thoughts that say, oh my God. They're making, making cuts at work. They're, make, they're getting ready to, to lay off people. They're going to lay me off. I just know they're going to lay me off. No, they're not. In fact, God's favor is upon you. In fact, if there's a layoff going on, then that means there's more room for promotion. All these other people are out of your way. God can promote you higher and quicker now. See, it's all about the way that you view things. God wants you to have a view of, of life that's prosperous and successful. This is not just motivational thinking. This is not just let's look at the glass half full instead of half empty. Put that hogwash away for a moment and just begin to break it down to what the Word of God says. If you'll begin to change what you believe is about to happen to what God says will happen, then that's what will happen. You'll begin to see God's Word activated in your life. I say it like this, fear and faith have, the, have one thing in common. Fear and faith, one thing in common. They both believe something you don't see is about to happen. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, if you're taking notes, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. See, it, it hurts sometimes to make changes in our thinking because it kills our flesh. It's supposed to. Jesus said, crucify your flesh and follow me. Take up your cross, follow me. You're going to crucify your flesh if you're going to walk God's way. But listen, you'll find out life gets better like that. The Bible says over 325 times that God will forgive us and he'll break curses off of our lives. 
sins of the fathers, the Bible says, are passed down generationally. Now, I want to give you three ways that curses become active in somebody's life. Three ways. Number one, something that you've done. Something that you've done that was against God's word, it can activate a curse in your life. Or something that was done to you. You know, sometimes people wonder how they get this thing in their life. And it was because of something that was done to you. At some point in time, it was, it was forced on you. And that thing shows up. And although you hate it and you don't like it, you start identifying with it. And you start accepting it and to, the, to the place where it becomes a curse in your life. Or number three, you have something inherited that was passed down to you. Most curses are sins of the forefathers that have been passed down through the generation. That's mostly what people are dealing with. People don't want to naturally choose to do wrong things, uh, but there is something that's passed down to them. There's like a drive inside them that pushes them to do something wrong. Are you still with me this morning? You were designed by God to continually pass things down the line. And see, God wants to set it up where all the bad stuff is filtered out by the blood of Jesus and all the good stuff is passed along down the line. Amen? You've got to decide, do I want to pass along good things to the next generation or do I want to pass along curses? Remember in, in the book of Genesis, in uh, Genesis chapter 20, it shows Abraham and Sarah uh, in a place where uh, Abraham is fearful of his life and his wife is so beautiful. Now, I don't know how pretty this lady was at 100 years old, but she was so pretty that he had to tell the king that it was his sister because he was afraid he was going to have to get into a fight to protect her. So he says, this is not my wife, this is my sister. <laughs> and, and he lies because of fear, and it initiates a curse in his life. And so then you see six chapters later in, in, in Genesis 26, you see his son Isaac with his wife, Rebekah. And they're, they're going into the same land, actually to the same king. And he says, this is not my wife. This is my sister. The same sin. It's passed from generation to generation. And God deals with it both times because he doesn't want curses to occur in our lives. In the book of Kings, in the book of Chronicles, both of them, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, it talks about how one king who did evil in the sight of God, his son came into the throne and he did evil in the sight of God. And then his son came to the throne and he did evil in the sight of God. It was sins and curses that were passed down from generation to generation. Have you ever known somebody who, uh, who you saw this person uh, have a, a, a terrible alcoholic lifestyle and, and they just lost everything and they ran their life into the ground. And, but along the way, they, uh, they had a, a child and, 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 you know, I'll just tell you a real story. And this guy, all that I just said, <clears throat> and then he is killed, but his son lives on and his son begins to walk the same path and do the exact same thing. Why? It's a generational curse. It's a family curse that's passed along. And see, only God can break that. Only God can break that stuff. 
See, unless you know what the Word of God says, unless you take that belief that's in you that, and, and replace it, that negative belief, that stinking thinking, you remove it like a computer chip and you put the right computer chip from God's Word in and replace that belief with what God's Word says, then you'll continually see that thing show up again and again and again. Iniquity is passed down the line. Iniquity is... Uh, uh, it says in, uh, let me scroll up here in my notes. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs. It's not, the prophet is not talking to someone named Shirley. It just says, Surely. Y'all are getting too serious. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken. He's talking about Jesus 700 years before Jesus was born. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And we're going to open this up over the next few weeks. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. And we've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, people wonder what is iniquity. Iniquity is like a driving force that makes people sin. It's, a, it's like a, uh, it, it's a, uh, a motivation to go sin. And uh, sin is the outcropping of the fruit of iniquity. Of the root of iniquity. The fruit is sin. The root is iniquity. It's not what you do so much. The act of sin. But it is the driving force that causes you to sin. That is iniquity. There's a difference. One is called iniquity. One is called sin. Iniquity is the thing that was planted in your garden. Before you were ever born. The fruit that grows on that thing is sin. All right. So we've got to get to the root, just like that weed in the garden. Take it out by the root, sever that thing, burn that thing, and get rid of it. And Jesus said, I'm going to lay the axe to the root. That's how you deal with curses. Jesus shed his blood to cleanse us of all sin, and he provided redemption from the curse. He was bruised for our what? Iniquity. And he has released blessings that are waiting for us. And, and, and there's a type in the and a shadow of Jesus in the Old Testament where this sacrificial lamb, uh, this blemishless lamb, perfect, white, spotless lamb was sacrificed and sin was atoned for for one year. In other words, uh, uh, if your body doesn't have blood, there's no life in your body, right? So the Bible says the life is in the blood. And so blood represents life. And so God had them sacrifice a perfect lamb as a type and a shadow of Jesus, the perfect lamb of God. And his blood, the blood of that first lamb, uh, would cover the sin for one year. And instead of seeing the death of sin, God would see the life from the blood. And so... In, our, in, our, in the New Testament, Jesus is the Lamb of God. His blood doesn't just cover our sin. It washes it away forever. And so God never sees your sin. 
He only sees the life that's in the blood of Jesus. And so Jesus... Uh, uh, there was types and shadows in the Old Testament, examples of Jesus. And so this lamb was an atonement for one year. And once that, that blood was accepted, then blessings were available. I want you to catch this. But then they had a second offering that they brought up. And this offering, they laid their hands on its head. And they pronounced curses over this second offering. They confessed their, their curses, their family curses over this second offering. And then that offering was sacrificed for their iniquities and curses. That's all, it's an ugly picture, but sin is ugly. Curses are ugly. You know, it's okay to come to church and put your Best church clothes on, your best church smile on, and look really good for people. But on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, at the end of the day, when things are rough and things are tough, curses start knocking on the door. You understand what I'm saying? The enemy, you're not at church right now. Uh, you're in a place where I've got an open door, and I'm going to come in, and I'm going to try to make something happen. See, that's where we've got to shut the door. Shut the door. Keep out the devil. So the second offering, they would uh, sacrifice this one after they spoke their curses and their iniquities over them. And if that offering was acceptable, then the blessings were not just available, they were released. You can find all this in the book of Leviticus if you're interested in studying that out. But rather than read all that, I'll just tell you what it says. And so I want to make clear that curses and iniquities are the same thing. So when you read that in the Bible, that's what it's talking about. People don't understand either. But iniquity or curse, curses make us go sin. It's the driving force behind sin. It's what compels people to choose sin. That's why the Bible says make no provision for the flesh. No, no pre planning no thoughts to well I'm gonna go I'm gonna save this twenty dollars that nobody sees I'm gonna put it in my back pocket I'm gonna go over to the liquor store because no one's gonna be around on Saturday and I'm gonna drink a whole bottle of Jack Daniels and I'm gonna get uh, so knocked out drunk I'm just gonna be blind for the rest of the day and nobody listen there's a reason that something inside of you is driving you to plan like that see Jesus became the sacrificial lamb and the shedding of his blood broke the curse, removed sin, and made blessing available to you. You should not live beneath your privilege. God has blessing for your life. Amen. We have to co-labor with God and learn to walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. You know, there are things that are in our lives that show up have nothing to do with us. Somebody long ago planted those things in our garden. Passed along to us. It says in Psalm 29 that the voice of the Lord causes the cedars of Lebanon to skip across the mountains like calves. In other words, those cedars are hundreds of years old, like the redwood forest. And see, you weren't around when those things were just seedlings. They just grew up and they're there. And see, you can't see the forest for the trees. It's, it blocks the, the vision of life. 
And see, the voice of the Lord comes in and removes those things, breaks those curses. Amen? Ephesians chapter 1, if you're turning in Scripture with me. And today, I'm just laying a foundation for what we're going to open up over the next few weeks. A journey of God opening our eyes to truth that transforms us from the inside out. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So let me tell you what that verse says. It says that God wants to Open your eyes to see some things. He wants to cause you to understand some things. And his wisdom will begin to arise within you. And he'll give you revelation. He'll give you understanding so that you can begin to understand that you have an inheritance. You're not a bastard son. You're not a, 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 an orphan running around trying to make something happen. You are an heir apparent. You are a child of God and you have an inheritance with your name on it. You have blessings that are, that are earmarked just for you. This is what this is talking about. And God wants to show you by working with his power within you how strong he is. And that he made Christ the head over his body and placed him far above All the powers of darkness. In other words, they cannot stop what God has for you. When God begins to speak, it opens your eyes. It opens your life to receive greater blessing from him. Have you ever come out of a a dark movie theater? And, and, And it's like the sun is so bright. It takes a little while for your eyes to adjust. But eventually, you begin to see everything around you clearly. And your eyes have adjusted. This is an ongoing process with God. You come out of the darkness and your eyes are enlightened. He causes you to be able to see and understand things that you never understood and never saw before. And so when you look at this scripture, what he's saying is you're already above these things. You are risen with Christ. You're seated in heavenly places above all these curses above all these iniquities, above all these things that tries, tries to take you down, these things that try to bury you in life, these things that try to keep you from connecting to God's very best for your life. Let me tell you, if you know that you have a destiny in God, the only way you're going to get to that destiny is in God. Are you hearing me today? Awful quiet in the house today. Awful quiet in this Pentecostal church. <laughs> See, illumination and enlightenment from Jesus Christ gives us access to his mighty power that begins to work in us and work through us. All these things, it says, are under his feet. 
And the Bible says that Jesus is the head of his body. We are the body of Christ. Where are the feet? Are they in the head? No. They're in the body. And so if he says all these things are under his feet, they're under your feet. And if you are over something, you have dominion. That's the definition of the word dominion, to be over something. If these things are under your feet, then family curses, generational curses, you already have dominion over these things. Come on, give the Lord some praise this morning. See, when you start getting a revelation of this, uh, you'll no longer put up with some of the junk that the devil tries to force feed you. You'll stop eating the junk that the enemy is trying to make you eat. The Bible says that there is a time where there's a famine for the word of God. You know, and the Bible talks about famines in the Bible where they were eating, eating uh, uh, donkey brains and they were eating dove's dung because that's all they had. There was famine, and it relates that to a famine for the word of God. When people don't understand the word of God and they're not being fed properly, they eat anything and think that they're being nourished by it. Come on, somebody. I want to tell you that God is able to break curses off of your life. He wants to illuminate your eyes. He wants to give you eyes to see. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Remember that song? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. That's what God wants to do. Open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see his great love for us. You know, when some people go to the doctor, and I'm going to wrap it up here. When some people go to the doctor, the doctor says, please fill out this form. And you fill out this form. We went to the dentist recently and, and they had us fill out this form and I was like what is this form all about <laughs> you know can't you just clean my teeth you know do I need to tell you if my uncle had cancer or my great-grandpa you know had a mole on his nose I don't even know you know what are you talking about what is this form all about well see <clears throat> they ask you family history questions you know, is there cancer? Did anybody in your family die of cancer? Was there heart disease? Is there high blood pressure? All these things. Why? Because they understand <coughs> that these problems were passed along through blood. I want you to catch this this morning. The answer to the problem and the removal of the curse comes through the blood of Jesus. It's passed through blood but it's also removed by the blood. The blood of Jesus connects us by blood to the Father. And he releases the inheritance of the blessing. See, this is why Jesus said, who, you know, everybody else is out there saying uh, who I am, but who do you say that I am? Is the blood speaking to you? Is my inheritance being activated in you are the eyes of your understanding being opened see you can walk under the blood of the curse or you can walk under the blood of the blessing peter said immediately in matthew 16 thou art the christ the son of the living god he was declaring you're the messiah you're the one whose blood 
will finally break all the curses off of us so we can walk in victory. Some people are so ashamed because if somebody ever knew, where's Anthony, if he could come to the keyboard. Some people are, are, are ashamed and they have shame in their life because if anybody really knew the real you, if anybody knew the hidden sin or the iniquity, uh, it, it's further empowering the curse. If they ever knew the stuff that we struggle with, uh, that they might, they might not like me. They may think I'm bad and I'm trying my best to be good. I'm trying my best to live this life. I'm trying my best to be a good Christian. I don't want to see myself as somebody that wears a mask, but if anybody ever knew the junk that I have in my life, they may not like me. They may judge me. They may run from me. I know I'm not talking to anybody here. This is for everybody that gets the CD. <laughs> Proverbs 28 and verse 13 says, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but he who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. See, through the cross of Christ, there's mercy. Through the mercy of God, he applies the blood that's without curse to your life. He washes you. He not only washes you of sin, he not only cleanses you, he breaks iniquity and iniquitous patterns out of our lives, those reoccurring sins. In his mercy, he removes the curse and he breaks it off of our lives so that we can truly grow in Christ and learn to live the abundant life. I want to say to some of you, this is your day. This is your day. This is the day that you break out of the cycle of shame, fear, condemnation. You break out of this today. I knew when God asked me to start preparing these messages and to start praying in this direction, all of the sudden, people were going to start dealing with bigger issues than they ever imagined. I knew the Lord's hand is, is forcing these things to the surface. Hear me this morning so that he can remove this once and for all. Some of you, you're judging yourself wrong. I want you to know if you are Christ's, then he has set you free. And you are free indeed. And these things are on the surface now because God wants you to take one last look before he totally removes it from your life. Don't you remember when Moses and the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea? God let Pharaoh and his army get real close where they could see eyeball to eyeball. And then he wiped it out. Closed the Red Sea on him. This is the day that God set up for your freedom. James chapter 5 and verse 16, it says, Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much makes much power available. It's dynamic and it's working. Well, I say this real quick. 
A fault is a shortcoming in life. It's a sin. It's an iniquity. It's like the fault line. Some, some things that are hidden underground. It's what lies beneath the surface. When I was in L.A. a few years ago, I was in this hotel room, and in this hotel room, they had this thing that I'd never seen before in my life. I lived in Florida or on the East Coast. I've never seen anything that said what to do in case of an earthquake. I thought, what? I've never seen anything like that. This is what you do in case of an earthquake. Listen to me today. Why did they have that there? Because what you could not see was a fault line that was just below the surface. Confess your faults one to another. See, given to the right pressure, those fault lines cave in. You know, sometimes what lies beneath in people's lives are poverty. It lies beneath the surface. We cover it over well. Addictions, anger, embarrassing things that we feel guilty and shameful about. We're fearful that somebody else may find out about this. But all along it continues until there's a shift in life and things begin to cave in. See, if we don't confess our faults, expose our weakness to God, that fault continues to be empowered. That curse continues to be empowered until we pass it along to the next generation. I want you to know God loves you so much, He's not going to leave things the way they are. He's going to expose it so that you can prosper. He'd rather you open your heart to Him and confess it to Him. See, that's the first level. Don't wait until he reveals it to the whole world. Come on, somebody. I know preachers that were so shameful of their secret life, their compressed life, their hidden self. They couldn't tell anybody about it because if they did, what would happen to their ministry? There's, they're guilty. There's shame. There's fear. And so they hide it until one day life shifts, the earthquake happens, and everything comes crashing in. The problem is they take people down with them. See, God doesn't want you to take anybody down. He doesn't want you to be taken down. The, the remedy is to confess your fault. Open your heart to the Lord. See, the reality is we need a Savior. The reality is we still can't save ourselves. We still need Jesus to save us. I'm taking a little bit longer this morning because we need to bow our hearts to the King of glory. If you'll stand with me this morning, I'm not going to ask you to partner up and tell each other your terrible things <laughs> because we all have them. Come on. You know what that proves? We all need Jesus. 
We have no right to look down our nose at anybody else. We're sons and daughters. God's opening our eyes, giving us grace, wisdom, revelation, opening the eyes of our heart to see that we just need Jesus. Galatians chapter 3, in verse 13, it says, Christ purchased our freedom. He redeemed us from the curse and all of its condemnation by becoming a curse for us himself. For it is written in scripture, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree and is crucified. See, Jesus shed his blood to wash away sin and break iniquity out of our lives, break curses off of us. I'm so excited for you today because you're about to see something really powerful happen in your life. Revelation is being released to you. The eyes of your understanding are being enlightened. Your heart is understanding that God's love for you is greater than your ability to run after sin. And that driving force is going to be broken out of your life. That thing that forces you to go sin will be unplugged once and for all. I'm going to build on this over the next few weeks. I really would love for you to to come and hear every message. But if you cannot, for some reason, please get the CDs so that you can have this revelation built strong within you. Jesus paid the price, broke the curse, forever set us free. We're risen with him above all this. And I have a decree for you this morning. The rest of 2012 will become the best of 2012. God really is about to do something great in your life. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Take a moment with me this morning. Just agree with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you, God, that you have been stirring it up. We think we've just been sinning more. But what you've been doing is you've been turning up the fires of refining. Boiling and purifying the gold so that all the dross comes to the top so that you can once and for all remove it from our lives. Father, today we choose to come out of agreement with all curses, with all iniquities, with all the powers of darkness. We come out of agreement from these things now, out of alignment with these things, and we align with your purposes. We align with your kingdom. We align with your heart today, Father. And Father, I break every curse off of your people by the authority of your word, by the authority of the blood of Jesus. I break every curse off of your people today. In Jesus' name, I break every curse off of their families, off of their finances right now. Let go of their finances, off of their marriages off of their health. I break anger out of their lives. I break depression off of them. 
I break every curse of hopelessness. All curses broken off your people today. In the name and by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the the Lamb of God. And Father, I thank you that as your sons and daughters, we receive your blessings. You said, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Don't even consider the things of the past. I'm going to do something new for you. Father, I just thank you for healing. I thank you, Father, for a restoration of dreams, visions. Father, we give our hearts to you afresh and anew. The word repent means to make a change of thinking, to have a change of heart, but it also means to get back on top of life. Re means to do it again. Pent means top, like penthouse. means to get back on top. Back on top of life. Father, thank you for your anointing here this morning that destroys the yoke. I thank you for removing that driving force of sin. Thank you for healing us. Thank you that today we recognize we still need a Savior. Today we bless you and we receive blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Come on, you got to give God some good praise this morning. Amen.